everyone and welcome back to TFE. Uh, on today's episode, I'm just going to be hosting because uh, Dan's still busy and away. So yeah, let's just jump straight into it. We've streamed that movie news into my head where we've got uh, a fuck ton of trailers <laughs> to talk about because we've got about three weeks worth of news to cover because we had a little break. Um, so yeah, if I miss anything, it wasn't that interesting to me. <laughs> so yeah, um, first trailer is... The Last Voyage of the Dementor, which is uh, basically a Dracula movie, but on a boat, which just looks cool. Like, it, it's a locked location, um, and they're fighting a Dracula on a boat. That's all there is to really say about it. It looks cool. I like the premise. Um, hopefully it's good. I don't know if I'll see it, if it comes out anywhere. But yeah. Uh, next is the Marvels. We finally got a tra- teaser trailer. Uh, it looks, honestly, out of all the Marvel movies, this one does look kind of interesting. It looks more fun than any of the others. Um, we're getting, like, we're getting character hopping back and forth. We're getting, like, a bit of just dumbness. Uh, it it could be good, it could be bad, I don't know. But I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it, it breaks the trend of Marvel movies just being kind of meh at the moment. But it, it does, it does does look better. I'm curious as to how it ties into, um, what's it, uh, Secret Invasion as well, because, like, Secret Invasion is coming out soon, in June, and yeah, it, it just, it looks like it's gonna be a fun time, hopefully, we'll see. <clears throat> oh yeah, by the way, I'm also sick, so I apologize, if you hear me coughing. Uh, then we have the Flash 2 trailer, Gives us a bit more of, like, a fleshed-out look at things. Uh, I still think this movie looks garbage, but everyone seems to be looking forward to it now. Um, I feel like they have just literally 100% pinned their hopes and dreams on the fact that it's a Batman movie, not a Flash movie. (laughs) And I don't really think the Flash or the Batman looks that great, to be honest. But it could be good, it could be bad. I'm hoping it's good. Because, like, well, actually, I don't know. It, it's a weird one. It's probably going to be mixed, like most of the DC stuff. But I have, I don't know. It's just very hard because I don't like Ezra Miller. I won't hide that fact. I like Michael Keaton, but I never watched his Batmans. So I have no real uh, opinion on his Batman. I just feel like this one looks really, really wonky in terms of the CGI. Um... But, look, maybe it'll work better in motion. We get a bit more of the story stuff, where it's, like, Barry's motivation and everything like that. Uh, I still don't like that new suit. But, hey, look, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it redeems all of the bad things uh, Ezra Miller has done and all the bad things DC has done and ends it on a nice note for DC that they can then kind of grow uh, a new new world off of. <clears throat> And then, last but not least for trailers, we have The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Which, to be honest, having only ever watched the first Hunger Games, uh, this looks interesting. Like, this looks good. I don't actually know the... whoever the the Snow character is very well. I'm assuming he's a good guy slash bad guy. I don't know. I've only seen the first one, and I, I think he was a bad guy in that one. Um, Peter Dinklage is in this. Rachel Ziegler, um, Hollywood's new it girl who has had bad luck of 
being in movies that no one's seen or liked. But I like Rachel Ziegler. Um, Viola Davis is in there. Jason Schwartzman. Hopefully, it's good. Uh, I probably won't watch it because I don't really care about the Hunger Games universe. But, like, I hope it's good. Because I heard that I remember the Discord around the last couple Hunger Games. Like, they split the book in two and it made it kind of like not great. Kind of like most young adult things where they kind of just peter out. But this one does look interesting. I like the idea of like learning about how the Hunger Games started and like all the spectacle and stuff. So, hopefully, it's good. Then into Warner Brothers news. HBO Max is officially just renamed Max now uh, as part of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. They have basically just eliminated HBO because they don't want to damage HBO. And so they just called it Max, which is the stupidest name for a streaming service. Because why would you name it after a name? Because now it's it's just like, are you going to watch Max? No, no, I'm not going to watch Max. Why would I watch Max? He's our friend. <laughs> I'm not going to... Just keep watching Max. Oh, no, I meant the streaming service. What? <laughs> but yeah, um, pff, what else more to say is there? That was a weird sentence. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 dumb. But hey, look, all of the stuff that Warner Bros. has been doing lately is dumb. So we'll see. Hope Like, we still don't even get it in the UK yet. I think we have to wait till 2024 before it comes to, to the UK. And I don't even know if I'll get it. Because at the moment, there just seems to be nothing on it. Because <laughs> they keep taking stuff off. So, and it just seems that they've... Oh yeah, it's basically the, just a merger of um, all of the two services' content. But they don't have all of the content on it. So, it's going to be all of Discovery's like reality TV stuff. And then all of HBO's like high-class written scripted shows. And stuff like that. So, hey look. They're trying to... Like, I don't know why they needed to merge them together. <laughs> why they couldn't just have two separate apps. I don't know. Cost cutting? Because, like, having servers for two things? I don't know. Business side of things, I imagine it makes more sense financially, but this this seemed like a like trying to squish two different football teams who hate each other together. So, uh, moving on. In CinemaCon news, we basically got a first look, like, well... People at CinemaCon basically got a first look at um, Craven the Hunter, which was Sony's first R-rated Marvel movie, and apparently it's very gory. Uh, footage had tons of gruesome kills in it as Craven is seen taking out poachers and mercs alike. We also saw Russell Crowe as the Russian father of Taylor, Aaron uh, Taylor Johnson's Sergei Karvinov. In one of the most exciting reveals, we learned that Alessandro... Nivalo is playing the rhino. Furthermore, his skin begins transforming into rhino skin. So, yeah. And then we also get to see Craven's classic costume as well. So, apparently he bites off a guy's nose, uh, Craven. So, it could be good. Who knows? Um, yeah, that's, that's basically cool. I'm looking... I actually really do... I think Craven the Hunter could be good. <laughs> uh, like, I'm surprised this is the one that they went R-rated. I feel like they just kind of, after the, like, fuckery of um, Morbius and stuff, they've gone, uh, maybe we should just do R-rated stuff, because people seem to want that. <laughs> and Morbius kind of tanked because we made it really PG, and no one liked it because of that, and it was terrible at, 
like a mess. And if we just left it R-rated, it might have actually done well. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it's good. Uh, then we've got Twisted Metal, an exclusive first look at the Peacock TV series with Anthony Mackie. Uh, I don't know. I've never played Twisted Metal. I think I owned Twisted Metal, but I never played it on like consoles for uh, PlayStation. Uh, it looks weird. It looks very CGI, like cars and stuff like that. Anthony Mackie, like the poster that they showed looks real bad. So, I mean, it's a game with no story, I think, or there's very little story. So hopefully they can make something out of it. <laughs> Cause I've always, I, I have said that the ones that don't have a story, you can actually like make a good story. Uh, so look. Sony's hit and miss. Uncharted I liked, and The Last of Us I didn't, but it's the other way around for other people. So, <laughs> look, uh, yeah. Hopefully this one's good, but I don't. we don't have Peacock here, so I don't know how I'm going to watch it, except by pirating it at this point. I'm also not that fussed if it does come out, so we'll, f we'll find out. I've got to take my earphones off, because I'm not actually talking to anyone, so I don't need them on, and they're really irritating my head. <laughs> so yeah, that's the movie news. Then we're going to go into game news and we're going to talk about Atari is close to acquiring uh, 100 PC and console titles from the 80s and 90s. Oh, no, Atari announces acquisition of more than 100, 100 PC and console titles from the 80s and 90s. So the collection includes games from popular Bubsy, Hardball and Demolition Racer franchises. Um, and yeah. That is basically it. They've managed to acquire a lot of games. I actually have the um, kickstarted um, Atari console thing. I've not used it very much, so hopefully they go to that. Um, and I think it's just them getting the trademarks back um, and stuff like that, so that they can hopefully make more games. So Atari is undertaking a multi-year effort to transform the company behind one of the world's most iconic brands. An important part of that effort involves expanding Atari's video game businesses, leveraging the company's large catalogue of IP to release classic games and bring new high-quality games to the market. Atari's vast library of IPs is the vault from which new and exciting game development ideas are pulled, reinventing old classics, reimagining storylines, and developing entirely new narratives inspired by the game's set and set, of course, for an entire history so yeah this could be fun i like i they have a very cool logo and their presence is felt throughout the world as one of the first video game consoles and stuff like that so hopefully this works and they do good stuff with it and they don't just sit on the ip and they actually start pushing some stuff uh then we go into dead island 2 talk so Dead Island 2, a game that took nearly, like, nine years of development and, like, three different studios, has managed to surpass one million game sales in just, like, three days. Which, hey, look, that's really good. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, spotty development in a long time, and people really wanted it, and it's doing well. So, all the best to you. It looks fun. I'm just not getting it because I don't have money at the moment. And I'm kind of done with zombies for a bit. But it, I'm glad people were enjoying it. I'm glad it was worth the wait. Next bit of news. Sega confirms intention to purchase Angry Bird developer Rovio. So once again, every company in the world is uh, trying to purchase every other company in the world. 
So Sega has confirmed it is set to purchase Angry Bird developer Rovio for $775 million following reports of a potential deal earlier in April. Uh, so, yeah. We're getting more game company, uh, mobile phone developers being purchased by big gaming uh, studios so that they can break into the gaming market, essentially. Because I'm assuming this will help them bring like Sonic the Hedgehog and all their other Sega games because they've now got the mobile phone developers. It's why Activision also wants to buy... uh, uh, Microsoft also wants to buy Activision because they own the developers behind King and like Candy Crush and stuff like that uh, who make Candy Crush. So they can also break into the game market on mobile. Because mobile, people are a lot more willing to spend money on the gaming mobile market because it's a free-to-play game and you just chuck a little bit of gems and they're predatory in that sort of way and people don't mind it that much well people do mind it but they don't care as much on a phone because you're like oh no it's just a little time waster thing it's not like important it's a different mindset but yeah that would be interesting and then yeah so we got let's get into the big big news of the last couple days uh the cma has blocked the microsoft activision deal Finally, the well, according like to me, the the UK did the right thing. They basically did it under uh, prevented to protect innovation and choice in cloud gaming because of how big Microsoft is uh, in just cloud operated content. Anyway, this isn't just like gaming. This is in every aspect of Microsoft's business plan, um, and they CMA has basically determined that giving. Microsoft Activision would give them a big leap ahead of everyone else trying to create mobile, uh, like cloud gaming or cloud storage or cloud innovation because it would just basically give them the biggest game catalog ever, essentially. Um, So the UK cloud gaming market is growing fast. Monthly active users in the UK more than tripled from the start of 2021 to the end of 2022. It is forecasted to be worth up to 11 billion globally and 1 billion in the UK by 2026. By the way, uh, by way of comparison, sales of recorded music in the UK in 2021 amounted to 1.1 billion. Microsoft has a strong position in cloud gaming services and ev- evidence available to the CMA showed that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service. So Microsoft already accounts for an estimated 60 to 70% of global cloud gaming services and has other important strengths in the cloud gaming from owning Xbox, the leading PC operating system Windows, and a global cloud computing infrastructure as Azure and cloud Xbox cloud gaming. The deal would reinforce Microsoft's advantage in the market by giving it control over important gaming content such as Call of Duty, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft. The evidence available to the CMA indicates that, absent the merger, Activision would start providing games via cloud platforms in the foreseeable future. The cloud allows UK gamers to avoid buying expensive gaming consoles and PC and gives them much more flexibility and choice as to how they play. Allowing Microsoft to take such a strong position in the cloud gaming market just as it begins to grow rapidly would risk undermining the innovation that is crucial to the development of these opportunities. So that is um, the UK's basic front of why they don't want it happening. Uh, And so, yeah, there's a lot more into it. 
It's essentially that they, at the beginning of the fact that cloud gaming is so early in its development, giving Microsoft pretty much one of the biggest things, even after 10 years, because that, that, that was the thing. Is like Everyone's like, oh yeah, but they're doing it for 10 years. I, I, I've said this before. I don't think Microsoft, after those 10 years, would renegotiate contracts. And if they do, it's because they know that people want it on those platforms because they can make money off of it even if they're not profiting off the console sales, because this is the thing, it's just like, how long are consoles going to be around for? Nintendo might be, Sony will be, maybe, who knows. But at this point, even even in a few years, consoles will be out of the window and it will all be cloud gaming. So giving Microsoft the biggest franchises this early on isn't great. But hey, look, um, this isn't totally blocked the deal there are still the ftc and the european unions um negotiation people i can't remember what they're called like deciding factors um to because this is just one of i think they have to get approval from a majority i can't remember if it's a majority or just the big ones have to agree so the ftc and um the european union basically have to either block it or let it go and then it will happen because this is just one hurdle this was probably the hardest one uh maybe america and maybe well the ftc and maybe the european union ones those are the three big ones that they have to get it passed because i think japan brazil and some other places have agreed to it the uk and uh i, I think it has to just majority vote to be allowed uh or i don't know but people are still expecting it to go through. Some people think it's over. Uh, it would just basically be how much Microsoft lobbies behind the FTC and the European Union to let it go through. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, this happened before this uh, happened. I should have basically covered this first. But Microsoft uh, is inking a 10... Well, if it goes through, has inked a 10-year deal to bring it to... Uh, a UK mobile phone network. So they basically uh, agreed to bring Activision games to EE, which is a UK mobile network in the UK, uh, which I think was a way of them basically going, hey, look, UK, here's a, here's some money that you can get off us. Microsoft and EE are expanding our partnership with a 10-year commitment in cloud gaming to bring PC games built by Activision Blizzard following the acquisition and Xbox to EE customers. We are committed to bringing more games to more people however they choose to play. This is basically Microsoft's way of just going, hey look, we're just going to give this to everyone because we know we can make bank off of it if we get more people. Uh, so yeah, they're bringing it to if they if this deal goes through. I have EE, so it would be beneficial to me. But I don't. It doesn't. They don't specify what the terms of the deal actually are. It would just basically be bringing like more Xbox Game Pass subscription fees to whatever. Um, also, Microsoft is now advertising the Activision acquisition on the Tube in the UK. So they've been advertising. Um, hey, look, this is good for us. This is good for gamers. 150 million port more people, basically. Uh, this was ahead of the CMA's decision to uh, block the deal. <laughs> so you can tell that Microsoft really wanted the UK on its side so that the CMA would basically be pressured to um, let it go through because they don't want to anger the UK public. Um, so, yeah. 
And then in other news, Microsoft is reportedly upset with Xbox lack of first party games. Um, so yeah, it, it, according to, hang on, according to journalist Jeff Grubb, Microsoft isn't happy with the state of Xbox division. In a new episode of Grubb's Game Mess, he talked with Game Beats managing editor Mike Mon, Mino, Mono, Minity? About recent hardware sales data and the state of Sony Microsoft, Microsoft has long been criticized for its Xbox first party output and Grubb had some interesting and possibly disturbing things to say about the gaming division. In addition, Grubb also mentioned the somewhat underperforming Hi-Fi Rush. Managing editor Minoti, do you think my management is happy with the state of Xbox right now? I can tell you they are not. They are upset. We're just trying to diagnose it a little bit right now. You know, they didn't release a first-party game last year, and if it doesn't, that doesn't affect you if you always have something to play again, that's awesome. But a lot of people do regret getting their Xbox. So, uh, so on the topic of Hi-Fi Rush, Grubb said that the title underperformed financially. Based on what I've heard, it just straight-up didn't make the money it needed to make. I mean, it got good reviews, the buzz was good, so where do you put the blame for something like that? Is it the price? Is it the shadow drop? Or could it have sold more? Or is it the Game Pass? So, I played Hi-Fi Rush. I enjoyed it. I haven't gone back to it. Um, I might go back to it. I just haven't been streaming it. I've actually been streaming Nintendo stuff, so I'll get to that when we do um, recommend do or recommend don't. But, uh, it's, it's just that it's difficult to gauge success when you have everything it's like the netflix model what classifies as a success is it how many hours watched or is it the uh commercial like the the review scores or anything like that what do you classify unless you have a physical game sales thing and if it doesn't have physical game sales then what what can you do well, it doesn't have many because people are playing it on Game Pass and it's just blurred in with everyone else. So, it's it's odd. It's very difficult to do. Um, and it's just one of many hurdles Microsoft is going to have to deal with if Xbox can't get Activision. Because this is why they're trying to buy it, so they have first-party exclusive games. Like, they want to bang on about Sony's first-party exclusive games library and how they have a massive lead it's because Microsoft hasn't been doing anything. They've just been trying to buy studios to get first-party games, and they're not really having games come out. It happened with the Xbox One. It was like, we're trying to do it as an entertainment home system, and we don't have any games. And then Sony came in and smashed them out of the park with God of War, Spider-Man, uh, The Last of Us Part Two, all of this, all of these big games, because Sony built the, the category and the library. And Microsoft has that library, they just struggle to get it out. So that's why they want Activision. They want the accredited notoriety. That's why they bought Bethesda. They want these legacy titles under their own banner so that people associate them with Xbox um, rather than being open to everyone. Uh, in Sony news, though, Sony is quietly rising its, raising, rising, raising its prices on games on Steam in certain regions bit scummy <laughs> uh, let's see it's not all positive sony from me there's some scummy shit that sony does i'm not opposed to say it um reset error user chairman chuck spotted the price increases for ps4 and ps5 on steam db affecting several regions including argentina canada chile china colombia japan and south korea 
The games that have been inflict, uh, affected by the inflated prices include Sackboy Return, Returnal, which was ported over to PC back in February, Marvel Spider-Man Remastered, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Horizon Zero Dawn, Days Gone, and God of War. Uh, the aforementioned games experienced price jumps on Steam between April 14th and April 19th. However, much they how much they cost now depends on the year they were released in. For example, Returnal may carry a higher price tag since it came out in 2021, whilst Horizon Zero Dawn may generously be generously cheaper given that it was released in 2017. Until that remake comes out, <laughs> uh, if you live in the following countries, uh, the prices are blah 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 blah. So. Yeah, they've just quietly raised the prices a bit, which, to be honest, is is a thing that happens. Uh, it doesn't normally happen for old games, which is a bit weird. Normally games go down in price. But it might have been that they had it on a discounted price and then they've not been seeing things, so they put the price back up to try and justify it. Who knows? Uh, it's dumb, it's stupid, um, and it, I'm sorry if it affects anyone. Uh, more Sony news, though. Uh, PlayStation to acquire the AAA multiplayer developer firewalk studios uh it will be the 20th playstation studios team uh that they have uh if the name sounds familiar it's because sony had already announced it would be publishing firewalk's first game back in 20 april 2021 i think we covered this it is the third dedicated live service game studio the playstation has acquired over the last 18 months alongside bungie and haven studios Firewalk was set up in 2018 as part of a of Probable Monsters, a collective of AAA game developers. It was formed by a member of number of Bungie veterans, including studio head Tony Hsu, previously general manager and senior vice president of Destiny Activision. The game director Ryan Ellis, previously creative director at Bungie, it now boosts boasts almost 150 employees. So. They already own Bungie, so yeah, Sony is looking to make live service games because that's where money is, even though we've seen recently the downward trend of live service games because you can only have so many live service games before they all start trying to eat into the the ecosystem of the other characters, and if you don't have players, then you don't have money, and it becomes hard to manage the servers and all of that. So this could backfire. Um, we'll see. It's very difficult to make a live service game that people uh, want to keep playing. And then then the last bit of Sony news, speaking of live live service games, uh, Dreams, uh, the game where you can basically build games in it and like animation and all of that stuff uh, by a media molecule, the people who made like Little Big Planet, uh, has announced it will end live service support for the PlayStation 4 game creation system in September as it concentrates on a different project. Which isn't great, but everything has to come to an end, and that's the problem with stuff. Is it's it, it it can't you can't keep the servers on forever if there aren't people playing it, and if there are people playing it, are there enough people to justify the servers being online? Um, so yeah, it, it's a shame. I like the game. I've played it a bit. I never really made anything in it because I'm not that creative and I don't have the time. But I, I think people loved that game. Like, I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's crazy. Um, but yeah. And then that's that's all the gaming news. Then we have one bit of tech and science news, which was that Elon Musk's big space rocket uh, exploded. And yeah, they basically tried to 
put it off as a, a learning experience rather than a, hey, look, we didn't do it very good, which is a shame. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's all the news. Uh, it's not all the news, but it's all the news that I either remembered seeing, wanted to cover. Um, hopefully people enjoyed it. Uh, I will be back next week. Hopefully Dan's back next week, but who knows at this point. Uh, we have the... Yeah, let's go on to recommend, do, and recommend, don't. Uh, I watched... This has been out for ages, but I finally got round to watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine's last season. Very well done. Very good. Uh, very topical for when it was out, but it didn't come to Netflix until this year, so came out like two years ago during the pandemic. Um, or after the pandemic? Around the pandemic time. So it was a bit weird going back to that. Uh... <laughs> And then I also watched The Legend of Mox Vox Machina Season 2, which is also really good. I quite enjoyed that. Um, and what else have I watched? Oh, that uh, yeah, I haven't watched much, but I have been playing um, Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I've been playing the Sword game uh, on Switch because uh, I recently got a Switch from my friend. Um, and yeah, it's all right. I suck at it. Um, I've been live streaming it on Twitch, and the VODs are going up on YouTube, on my gaming VODs channel. Uh, links will be all in the descriptions and stuff like that, if people want to check it out. I've been having fun with it, I'm terrible at the game, um, but I haven't finished, I have never actually finished a Pokemon game, I've never completed one. The last game I got close to was Pokemon Red on a ported version for my phone, and I got like all the way up to like the last... Uh, elite four member and then i got back home and like my save file got corrupted because i was on holiday and my my save file got corrupted and i lost all my progress and then i had to restart it all and i just lost all the motivation to continue it so i don't know if i'll finish pokemon sword but hey look we can try hopefully the fact that i'm live streaming it will kick me into gear and I will finish it but I don't know I've finished like three gyms and then I've I, I've been struggling man they have a stupid level cap system thing so you can't capture Pokemon uh, and I've just been running into high level Pokemon and being absolutely whooped at the worst times but yeah I've been having fun with it um, I'm hoping to stream some more so if you want to check that out jump on links in the description like I said before um, sorry it's a short episode um, and yeah, I'll see you all next week. Goodbye. <laughs>